This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Christians, two times in our epistle lesson, St. Paul says this, these things took place as examples for us. What things? To understand what he's talking about, you have to go all the way back to Moses and the exodus from slavery in Egypt. You know the account. The people of Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. How did they get there? God led them safely through the Red Sea on dry ground. What did they eat? God fed them with manna from heaven and quail that landed in their camp. What did they drink? God gave them water out of a rock so that they would not be thirsty. And for this whole 40 years while they wandered, their shoes and their clothing did not wear out. God provided and provided and provided for these people. And yet, despite all of that, well, to put it bluntly, the people of Israel kept on sinning. They were still idolaters. Despite having God in their very presence as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, they decided to make a golden calf and worship that instead. The people of Israel, to quote Numbers chapter 25, during the end of their wandering began to whore with the daughters of Moab. And while they were doing that, they also made sacrifices at the temple of Baal and Peor. And you hear all the time in our sermons what the people did as they wandered as well. They grumbled and they complained on multiple occasions about multiple things. They grumbled about the food and the drinks. They grumbled about how far they had to walk. They grumbled about not having meat. They put God to the test constantly to the point where you can almost see Moses throwing up his hands in frustration about the stubbornness of the sin of the people of Israel. The people were sinners. Even Aaron, the high priest and brother of Moses, said in Exodus 32 the almost exact same thing that St. Paul writes in our epistle lesson, that these people desire evil. But as our epistle lesson says, God is faithful. And part of God's faithfulness is 
God also is just. As a result of their coveting and desiring evilness, God punished his people. 3,000 died as a result of worshiping the golden calf. 23,000 people died for sexual immorality with Moab and Baal of Peor. Those people who were grumbling and complaining, not one of them who had crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, except for Joshua and Caleb alone, were allowed to enter the Promised Land to cross the Jordan River on dry ground. They had grumbled and put God to the test too much. God is just and God punished their sin, even as he sought to teach them what it means to live a life of faith here in a sinful world. God punished sin even as he led them out of slavery in Egypt and into a promised land. God is just. That's the examples St. Paul wants you to remember. Take heed, dear Christian. Paul writes in our epistle lesson that these people of Israel and these events that happened to them were examples for the Corinthians. St. Paul is writing this particular text to the Christian church that existed at that time in the city of Corinth. Corinth was a fairly newly founded Roman colony that was also a very wealthy and cosmopolitan place. The city was wealthy because it had two harbors, one on each side of Greece. Ships would be pulled over the few miles between the two harbors, saving them days and days and days of journey in the sea and paying heavily for it. You can imagine that a town with two harbors, a port city, got to be kind of an unruly place when sea ships and their sailors stopped in for shore leave in the ancient world. Corinth was ready for that. The city of Corinth had not one, not two, but three temples to Aphrodite, the goddess of pleasure and love. Serving in those three temples were over 1,000 high-quality, according to Strabo, slave prostitutes constantly peddling their wares. Can you imagine a wealthy port city with one prostitute for every 90 people? How would a place like that function? Strabo told us about the prostitutes. Horace tells us a famous quote from that day. 
Not every man can afford being in Corinth. It was the ancient version of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. In that city, there was a church as well. And the church was having problems. Hence, St. Paul's letter to them. A Christian man, a member of their congregation, was sleeping with his father's wife. And the congregation did nothing. One Christian member of the congregation was suing another Christian in the secular court. And the church was silent. Husbands and wives were not fulfilling their marriage vows to one another. People were confused about the Lord's Supper, commingling Christian beliefs with pagan worship. In other words, the people that St. Paul was writing to were sinners also. And so it is that in our epistle lesson for today, St. Paul begs these Christians living in that terrible city of Corinth to act like Christians, to discipline their bodies, to do what is right rather than what felt good at the time, to live in Christian marriage instead of in adultery, to forgive one another as Christ had forgiven them, rather than sue one another. Paul encourages them to live like people who have been rescued from slavery to sin and baptized into the death of Jesus. Paul wants them to be Christians who hear God's word and believe it. Christians who then communed with one another as the body of Christ. St. Paul begs them to act like Christians whose very identity is something the world cannot understand. And so it is that Paul, in our epistle lesson, reminds the Corinthians what happened to the Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness. The Israelites who had been saved from slavery, who had passed through water at the Red Sea, who had heard God's word from Mount Sinai, who had ate the food God provided, manna in the wilderness. Even though they had received all these gifts, God punished them for their continued acts of unbelief. Even as God was in their midst, they acted like God wasn't real or didn't matter. 3,000 died here, 23,000 there. Paul asks the question of the Corinthians, if God would do that for his people, shouldn't you face the same judgment? And in case you've never caught it, 
the people of Corinth already had faced the same judgment. Just a few verses after our epistle lesson for today, St. Paul tells the Corinthians that the reason some were sick and dying was their failure to recognize God's gifts. God is just. And so, dear Christians, what about you? You have those examples. The Israelites in the wilderness, the Corinthians in their time. God is present among us in his word coming to our ears, not from Mount Sinai, but from pulpit and lectern. You've passed through water, not the Red Sea, but the waters of baptism. You've eaten the food of heaven, not manna and quail, but the body and blood of Jesus, crucified and risen. You are a Christian. And Paul would still have you remember the example of those who went before. You see, you too, just like the Corinthians, live in a very modern age of wealth and immorality. No, we don't have 1,000 temple prostitutes here in Lincoln. But every single person carries around a device that with a few swipes of the finger can bring up photos of naked people. And adultery is rampant here in Lincoln, isn't it? Even among those who claim the title Christian. Yes, Christians cheat on their spouses in all of the many forms that adultery rears its ugly head today. No, we don't have a temple to Baal or Aphrodite here, do we? But, just in case you felt left out, we do have casinos soon to be coming to Lincoln, just three and a half miles away from this sanctuary. A modern-day temple of Baal and Aphrodite the Warhouse Casino, where God's gifts can be wasted on booze and gambling. After all, we wouldn't want people gambling in Iowa when they can spend their money here. Just like in Corinth, the same issue with lawsuits is present within God's church even today. How often do we hear of 
Christians suing one another, perhaps even Christians suing congregations all the time. I even know of instances in our own Missouri Synod where brother has sued brother over something foolish and trite. And just like those wandering in the wilderness, we grumble. We grumble on Twitter. That's what it's designed for. We grumble on Facebook, gossip headquarters. We grumble with our friends behind the backs of our fellow Christian brothers and sisters. We grumble because the pastors aren't doing things the way that we would prefer. We grumble because the temperature in the sanctuary is wrong. We grumble because some church events today aren't done exactly the way they were 20 years ago in the good old days. We, like the Corinthians, like the Israelites, sin. Dear Christians, if God was just with the immorality, the grumbling, and the idolatry of the people of Israel, whom he had gloriously saved from Pharaoh and his army, won't he be just with you? If St. Paul warns the Corinthians to act like Christians, even in a cosmopolitan, sexualized port city like Corinth, what would he say to us in the good old Midwest today? Can you partake of the cup of demons and the cup of Christ? If you belong to Christ, can you also share yourself with pornography and adultery? If Christ has granted you eternity despite your sin, do you have any reason to grumble about the minor things? Has Twitter or Facebook become an idol that you cannot give up? And so you spend hours a day scrolling through nonsense? Will you, a Christian, go make your offerings to the local casino while your fellow Christian is hungry and in need? Moses, in the Pentateuch, during the Exodus, begged the people of Israel to repent over and over and over. St. Paul 
through countless letters and visits, begged the Corinthians to repent over and over and over. And you, dear Christian, if you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. You, too, must repent. I must repent. We all must repent. That's what Paul says in our epistle lesson. And at the same time, St. Paul goes on and says this, No temptation has overtaken us that is not common to man. This is not a justification to sin, but a reminder that God is faithful and that God loves us. God always provides a way for us to escape. In fact, the truth is, he provided the way to escape. The cross of Jesus. It's a fulfillment of what he gave to the people of Israel wandering in the wilderness. A bronze serpent upon a pole for them to look to. But for you, you have a man on a cross instead. Look to Jesus. Confess Jesus. Repent and believe in Jesus. For he has overcome this world and all that is in it. Christ our Lord died for all of our sin, the sin we committed before we were Christians, the sin we commit while we are Christian. And he sets us free to live in that forgiveness. Christ our Lord died for our sin and rose for our justification. Christ our Lord rescued us from sin, death, and the devil. Jesus is your only hope, your absolute and only hope. And he's given forgiveness to you. He led the Israelites through the Red Sea. He led you through the waters of baptism to wash away your sin, to drown and kill your sinful desires and old sinful flesh, to adopt you into his family, clothing you with the robe of his own righteousness. You've gone through the water. God gave the people of Israel his word speaking to them from Mount Sinai. And Jesus has sent his word to you from pulpit and lectern in the hymns we sing. And attached to that word is the Holy Spirit so that you might be called, gathered, enlightened, and brought into the one true church. Called away 
from all the paganism of our wealthy, immoral world. And Jesus feeds you with the food of heaven, his own body and blood, the body that hung on the cross, the blood that poured from it, the body that was dead in the tomb but now is alive. You eat for forgiveness, life, and salvation to strengthen your faith and sustain you here in this difficult, sinful world. Jesus, he's your savior. Jesus is the one who suffered justly for your sin. So repent and believe in Jesus. Repent and leave behind the idols and pagan worship of this world. Believe in Jesus and not in Twitter or Facebook or any other grumbling platform. Volunteer to help rather than complain. Be the beautified and righteous bride of Christ rather than looking at naked bodies on screens. Forgive your neighbor. After all, God's forgiven you. Look to the people of the Exodus. Look to the Christians of Corinth, people who repented eventually. Let them be in that way an example of a life in Christ. Paul says it twice in our epistle lesson. These things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as those people desired evil, but instead that we might desire Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This has been With Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, With Intrepid Hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, by God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession, and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.